I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Staring at a bit of scabby to see, wondering why it was and never could reach you. I tried to call you, I couldn't get you on the line. Nothing matters now, it's all through, but there's no getting that through to you. I tried to call you, I couldn't. Pacific by my guest today on the program, Victor Krumenacher. Let me tell you a little bit about Victor Krumenacher. San Francisco's too sad, and time I can't understand. Those are the words of Jack Kerouac, who actually wrote that about his adopted city. Well, if Jack Kerouac were alive today, there's a lot of things he wouldn't understand, and most of them would have to do with San Francisco. Now, you have to understand that when Jack Kerouac came to San Francisco, it was a different city than it is now. It was a city that welcomed the marginalized, the outsiders, the dispossessed, the freaks, the weirdos, the artists, the writers, the musicians, the painters, and the avant-garde. And here was the thing about all those people. They found a community in San Francisco. And as a result, San Francisco became their home. Now, I said that was a different time, and here's what I meant. All those people I mentioned, they could afford to live in San Francisco. Well, many of them can't anymore. Now, look, I had no idea what I was going to talk to Victor Krumenacher about. Um, you know, I had a camper van Beethoven poster in my room all through high school, so I kind of felt like uh, Victor kind of observed me growing up through some very important, awkward, and formative years. So I've always felt a kind of connection uh, to him and his music, but that's not what we were going to talk about. No one wants to talk about my awkward high school years. But the point I'm trying to make here is that I never know, uh, you know, what I'm going to talk about with these guys. I never know. I get on the phone and, and things just happen. And in this conversation, San Francisco happened. We chatted about leaving San Francisco and we talked about what San Francisco used to mean and what it means now. Now, maybe you knew this or maybe you didn't, but Victor Krumenacher is no stranger to the Bay Area. In fact, the Riverside-born musician co-founded the legendary band Camper Van Beethoven while he was enrolled in college at UC Santa Cruz. Camper Van Beethoven became one of the most iconoclastic and virtually uncategorizable bands of all time. From telephone-free landslide victory to our beloved revolutionary sweetheart... Camper Van Beethoven's eight-album discography is one of the most musically diverse and lyrically adventurous catalogs you'll ever hear. While Krumenacher played bass for Camper Van Beethoven, he also had another band going at the same time. They were called the Monks of Doom, and with the Monks, Krumenacher played bass and he sang lead. The Monks of Doom's seven albums, including my favorite, soundtrack to the film Breakfast on the Beach of Deception, are offbeat collections of psychedelia, post-punk, and folk that fall somewhere between Wire and Captain Beefheart. As if having two bands wasn't enough, Krumenacher started putting out solo albums beginning with 1995's Out in the Heat 
and adding nine more since then, including his brand new one, Blue Pacific which we'll get to in a second. Now, if you're getting the feeling at this point that Krumenacher is one of those guys that likes to be busy, I think you're on to something. In addition to his music career, Krumenacher was the art director of the San Francisco Bay Guardian and the art director for Wired. Okay, so here's the deal with Blue Pacific. It's Krumenacher's 10th solo album, as I mentioned, and it is probably his best work yet. And because I love everything he's ever done, I don't say that casually. A deft collection of sun-kissed blues, coastal country, and melancholic folk, Blue Pacific is an album of goodbyes, with each song the crashing of a quiet wave that takes our narrator further out to sea. What's he leaving behind, you might be wondering? Well, love, community, friendship, and memories. Oh, and one more thing. San Francisco. Enjoy my conversation with Victor Krumenacher. It's a good one. It's intense. You know, we really break it down. It gets very, uh, very dark. But, you know, it's hard to say goodbye to a city that you loved that you no longer love because you can't see yourself in it anymore. That's an intense thing. All right. You'll see. Here's my conversation with Victor Krumenacher. Enjoy it right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. I mean, clarity was certainly part of it. I mean, when you have a revelation, even when it's painful, it, it puts you in a place where, it, it, you know, you can see things one way and events can change it and, and your whole impression of how things are changes. And I think, you know, for me, like the last, maybe from 2013, maybe starting a little bit before, but really this kind of concentrated period of a few years, 2000. 12, 13, 14, 15, when it was, when it kind of was over, but going into 15, cause I had to kind of recover from the process. It definitely uh, changed how I view things. It was, you know, a lot of what I went through, which included the divorce and just a few other, you know, some sudden death and just watching people self-destruct, you know, I mean, it, it, it yielded uh, traumatic, like literally traumatic, uh, uh, results, uh, you know, I, you know, I had symptoms, there was physical manifestation of it. And, um, yeah, it, it, it definitely, I mean, I'm not really like a free will guy, you know, it's like, I'm one of those people who doesn't necessarily believe that that's a thing. I think, you know, behaviorally we're, um, we're kind of programmed, you know, and there's not really a lot of choice in the matter. I think, you know, where there might be a concept of choice is more just in how you react and how you, uh, it's more just a learning like, Oh, I'm this way. Like, and so to not be this way, I have to do this or to not be, feel like I'm run over. I have to do this. Um, and yeah, I mean, the writing reflects all those kinds of realizations. And I think it was also, I mean, it's strangely automatic. I mean, it was just, I was just, just a conduit for, I mean, I, you know, I, I have long since started, I mean, I process the world psychologically through the writing that I do and art that I make. And, um, and it, you know, some of these songs were immediate. I mean, like immediate, like I sat down and it happened several of them, you know, some were basically just written in my head as the day progressed. And so, you know, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a heady thing, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not a spiritual person, but, you know, I do kind of have to trust in the muse. So there's a weird aspect of faith in it, I guess, but, um, it, uh, it yielded good results. I mean, I was very, I was very sure the material as soon as it was written, but the problems were more, once it was written, getting it documented, you know, that was, that was where the, 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 the recording struggle began. So it was kind of like personal struggle into like, uh, into artistic struggle, right. um, ironically. But it was never an option to not create. I, I wonder for an artist if when something like that goes on, that you dive deeper into the work 
it seems like that if you go the opposite direction is would be a kind of would be a kind of death like that might be a harder place to occupy well you know i'm i i don't know i haven't finished the tweety book but you know he has some interesting kind of ideas about creativity just you know it, it's as being kind of a safe space and i and i tend to agree with it i mean i don't know that it's always like the most healthy interpersonal thing because i can definitely hide in it um but it it you know the active process of creation usually usually not always but usually feels good um, you know, and sometimes it just doesn't, it doesn't feel good because what you're dealing with topic wise is uneasy or, you know, you're not quite getting there, but, um, you know, I've had both experiences and I, you know, I, I, I just, I, I'm at a stage now where you just, you know, I used to really do a lot of advanced work and really think about things and and a lot of documentation and all options and i and i've, I've come to not so believe I, I don't believe in that particular process especially like specifically when talking about recording now now i kind of feel like you write the song and and some and i've done this and it's been i think in the long run it's been easier and, and maybe in some ways more successful um where you just get the people in the room and show them the song and play it a few times and trust that they know their shit and, 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 and go with what you get. Um, but this record wasn't made that way. I'm still quite happy with it. I'm really very satisfied with it, but it was not, I wouldn't recommend making a record the way we, we, we did this time. Because of, because of the tension? Uh, the tension and also, you know, there was tension between the musicians. We, uh, you know, leading up to the writing of this record, I I kind of managed to establish a band in, in the Bay Area that were what I consider to be basically the, the best players I could find. Um, and there was a lot of chemistry. And then, you know, the drummer uh, dropped out uh, suddenly and kind of bizarrely. Um, you know, and it really just came down to like we had artistic and aesthetic differences. Um, you know, and so that put me back into kind of being, I mean, because, you know, essentially it's a solo project and I'm kind of the sole proprietor. And, and um, but it just kind of threw the whole kind of concept of how I was going to do the record and the whole, uh, the whole chemistry off. And so I think the whole process of recording was a response to that. And it yielded a lot of, uh, a lot of tension um, between various parties on it. And, you know, I'm still actually in the process of trying to heal up some of those relationships. Um, I can't always say I was on my best behavior, um, but I was also in the process of leaving San Francisco because it was time to go. And, uh, you know, and I was just, you know, I suppose in a certain way, I was just using the recording process as a, as a, as a cap, you know, like I'm trying to get this done and then I'm out of here. Uh, and so, uh, I think for some people it seemed kind of abrupt, but that, that was always kind of my intention. I, I, um, you know, I, I mean, ironically, I'm in San Francisco for work right now, but like, I don't live here anymore and I don't want to live here anymore, to be honest. It's, uh, you know, I, I don't hate the town, but it, it's not the town that I came to and I have a lot of ghosts walking around it and, um, I can, I can feel somewhat comfortable but it's just not where i want to be anymore um i just need a new perspective so well i you know i am a san francisco native and, and i i totally understand what you're saying but where did you where did you go to uh you know i haven't really uh I, the, the truth of the matter is i've been kind of floating um and 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 frankly loving it and also i have like the luxury of being able to live a kind of itinerant lifestyle right now yeah I mean, it certainly won't, it won't last, but it's on, at some point I'll have to anchor down. But, you know, I, my family, I grew up in Riverside, California, which is an, about an hour outside of L.A. And I spent the summer in Europe kind of exploring around because uh, my boyfriend was very interested in seeing, you know, uh, if, if living in Europe was an option. And, he, you know, he feels, you know, pretty dystopian about the state of American politics and the yeah. like, which how can you not? But, you know, my reaction was that well, the European, European politics, frankly, is not a whole lot better. It's kind of a worldwide phenomenon. And the truth of the matter is that my family's here. And, you know, over the course of the fall, especially, I've been able to I spend a lot of time in Riverside with my mom. 
Um, and I, you know, I left home when I was 18 and I'm 53 now. So, um, it's been, um, you know, good would be an understatement. I, renewing those bonds has been surprisingly important. And, um, and I think it was what I needed to do. And then the other thing was that, you know, I was interested in potentially living in the high desert because we spent a lot of time down there with camper and I know the Yucca Valley really well. Um, and so I went and rented out there for a while, um, in the fall to explore it. And I still love it, but I don't want to live there. It's just a little too remote for me. Um, and so it's just been kind of exploring and there's still a couple more places. Um, but you know, I've, I've kind of concluded LA Metro is, is good for me, you know, like within about an hour of, of Los Angeles proper. And, uh, you know, and then, so there are a few areas that I'm considering. And then also, you know, I'm going to go and do a little time up in Portland because I have a large support network. I, I think one of my realizations is that the way I live requires not just, you know, like a, an intimate, not just a partner, but it requires a community because, you know, it's just, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm often kind of stretched thin and doing a lot of stuff. And I need a group of people who, um, who uh, can help support that and, um, you know, and that's frankly kind of what I had in San Francisco, and it really it, it frayed because it became so expensive and so kind of tech dominated that um, you know that 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 kind of network and community uh, got pretty battered, and um, there's been kind of a diaspora of it. Um, so I'm just kind of responding to the state of things. It's screwed up, like basically. Yeah, and it's it's fairly heartbreaking to you know I, I live in Walnut Creek. I'm from Marin. I was born in Marin and, and, and raised in the city. Um, and I, you know, and I'm I'm 48 now, and I've I've sort of watched what's happened to it, and it it really is heartbreaking what's happened to the art yeah. community in in San Francisco. It's it's really hard to watch. Yeah, it's it, it really sucks. Like it really genuinely sucks. There is not, you know, people do not have freedom to create because they don't have time because they're so pressured for money. You know, and so you just get, I mean, it just, it really has become this kind of monochromatic humdrum culture. Um, you know, and it's not to say that there's not interesting or cool, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm not tech phobic. I, I, I think there are some really interesting, cool people around doing kind of amazing stuff. It's just that I, you know, my, my modus is really, it's more, I hesitate to use the word spiritual, but I guess that's kind of what, it, what how it applies. But it is, you know, it's 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 a spiritual exploration. It's an emotional exploration of of the, of the state of being. That's what I'm trying to do, and I think that's what good art tries to do. And you know, to really do that, you really need time. You know, and you know, when you're working all the time, you don't have time. And and part of the reason I sold my house and cashed in and left was because I knew it would buy me time to push this record in the way that I want to push it. And, you know, and I took time putting the record out, you know, and, you know, I'm taking freelance work as it comes in. And, you know, fortunately I got a lot of skills and, you know, like this week I'm working as a music supervisor and next week I'll probably be working as a designer and then, you know, I'll be a musician. You know, I just kind of bounce back and forth. And, but I've been cultivating that for a long time and I'm, I'm lucky, but, you know, to stay in the Bay Area is just you know it's it for me it's kind of uh artistic suicide because it takes away my ability to really do what i want to do and i also i don't think we need to live in such pressurized circumstances and i think it's artificially inflated and um and i also think that like the the general I mean, you know, LA's plenty screwy, but believe me, like the NIMBYism and city government aspect of the whole situation, I am, I am not a fan. It could, were the Republicans not totally insane and religious, and religious and racial bigots, you know, it's like I could understand, yeah. frankly, you know, from the point of view of being a homeowner, it's just, it's beyond, it's really beyond ridiculous, you know. Um, and it's a big cash in, and you know, I feel like, especially like the city government of San Francisco, it's like they're just screwing the most vulnerable people left and right. 
and and it, it leaves a very bad taste in my mouth. Frankly, frankly, not, not a fan. No, I, I can. I'm sensing that, and it sounds to me like you don't think that there is going to be a turnaround. I, I think it sounds like the the city that you and I both fell in love with uh, is is gone and shall not return. Yeah, I think that's correct. Like New York, you know, it's like it's gone, you know, and and that's what happens. You know, London in a certain way is gone too. You know, um, maybe it's not so much. LA's held on to a lot of its creativity. It's still it's kind of ridiculously expensive. You know, there's a huge technological influx down there as well. Uh, you know, it's just it seems like it's kind of I mean it's just kind of a cruel time. You know, um, and you know what can you do? But you know, um, I you know I am from the suburbs and I'm probably headed back to them because you can kind of get out of the way a little bit. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, and and that's. That's the irony of it, you know. I was in Berkeley the other day, and I and I saw that their, you know, People's Park is getting turned into housing. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's yeah. everywhere, and it and it's yeah, it's it's really tough to see, and I, and I don't for a lot of people like you and I, I think the only thing to do sometimes is to just leave. Yeah, and I think that's true, but you know, I mean, it, it's not. You know, it's not like LA is perfect or Portland's perfect. I was just in Austin, and Austin's got the same problems. You know, it's like it's kind of everywhere. It's just, you know, there's this this kind of, I mean, it's the corporatocracy, right? You know, we're 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 talking about corporate money influence over over social concerns. You know, and and I'm not like count me out. You know, it's like I'm, you know I don't believe in it. I don't believe it's good for people. And and you know, I like towns where there are smaller scenes of intelligent people who are opting to try at least to do something different. You know, with an understanding that you have to embrace a certain amount of hypocrisy. You know, and I mean, I do work. You know, I work for major corporations. when I have to and you know and I take their money and then try and you know as I I told my friend Jesse Sykes the other day on the phone she and I are trying to start a project trying to get her in on a project that I'm working on and she's like what are you doing it's like this week I'll be working in San Francisco you know um, for companies I won't discuss but I basically you know consider it you know it's a little Robin Hood you know it's like I'm stealing I'm taking their money and I'll be applying it to your studio fee. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I love her, by the way. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's quite she's quite amazing. She's, she's got great. really a hell, a hell of a voice. Yeah. If, if if this project comes to light, I'll, I'm I'm it's pretty exciting. You know, and that's frankly like one of the advantages of being down in LA is who I've been able to assemble for this. You know, it's like I'm, I'm not totally at liberty to talk about it, but when it if it all goes forward as I think it will, it will be very cool. Uh, you, you made a comment about how you recognize that you need community. And, you know, I, I like that, that you know that. But I wonder if you don't get community, if you don't have that, what happens to you? Like, what kind of person do you turn into? Like, what do you think the problem would be for you without, without that community to fall back on? Um, you know, it's just like I just get very isolated, really, ultimately, and, and, and you know, I've certainly capable, you know, I've certainly had a lot more experience with solitude in the last few years than I ever had before. You know, part of like, you know, when you're married and kind of slogging along with a day job and then you go, like, go on tour, it's, it just turned out that, I mean, I was already kind of solitary as a kid, and I just wound up being around people all the time. Um, and I didn't really, you know, and I'm still kind of learning how to be alone and be comfortable in that skin. Um, but part of what I learned too, is that, you know, I can get, go too far in that direction. And so the thing about community is it gets me out of my head. And also I, I feel, um, more and more like giving back on a community basis is important. You know, and part of how, like, with the music that I apply myself is, um, you know, I try to talk to people. I mean, a lot of people know, you know, my fan base. They know what, you know, they they knew my previous partner. They know what these songs are about, you know, and I get the, like, are you okay? And there's this fine line of, 
of being honest and open and divulgent without giving away your life, you know, and it's a strange thing because I certainly have had people kind of over identify with it and kind of over sympathize or like, Oh, you understand me. Um, you know, and I'm not really trying to understand anybody. I'm just trying to give people a point of view. And I'm also like not into giving answers so much as like the state of thing, like the state, I can't, you know, the, the, the great philosophical problems of the world. I don't know anybody who's got answers for them. That's not what I'm trying to give. I'm just trying to give you perspective, you know, on a, on a community, you know, not to be like overly, uh, jingoistic or, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, trite about it, but, you know, I'm trying, you know, it's like, it's kind of community service, you know, it's like I'm really trying to show you. And I think that's what good art does. That, you know, there are people who are suffering and, you know, not just suffering, but like enjoying the world and like, you know, consuming, you know, like taking part in the kind of sublime madness of it in, in ways that are relatable, you know, and that's, that's the thing. And that's, you know, I mean, you know, the world's going down in flames at this point, unless somebody, you know, really changes the direction. And even then, I'm not sure if we have any time. I mean, and I think that's just people are aware of it. You know, environmentally, it's we are we are an entire place. You know, and and it forces you to, to come to terms with a certain ambiguity that was always there. You know, I mean, these these questions are, you know, I mean, are they've been kind of percolating through human existence the entire time and just now that you know we're at an inflection point and so i think there's just a lot of anxiety you know and i feel it as as much as anybody but i think that's where you know the advocacy for a community is is important you know and it's why i have so much admiration for people i know who've been in recovery and people i know who try and deal with you know addiction and mental health levels and uh, mental health issues rather on kind of a community basis because i think that communality is where you're going to find at least some strength to help you get through, you know, some pretty hard and dire stuff. So, you know, that's, and that's really, you know, bizarrely all that whole screed is kind of what the record's about. You know, that's really what I'm trying to say. Were you concerned, not concerned, but do you find it to be an interesting thing that you have this album, which is fantastic and it's this artistic document of a very painful time, but it also is an artistically satisfying, uh, you know, exercise of, of and and sort of document of your work done in a really, um, you know, in the way that you had imagined it. So it sort of operates on two levels because obviously you must look at it and go, well, that's symbolic of a very painful time, but yet I'm incredibly satisfied with it. Yeah, it's quite bizarre. I mean, and that's a really good way of, of, of kind of summing up how I do feel about it because as I am, I am actually very satisfied with it, you know. Uh, it, you know, kind of in, in the contention of finishing it up and, and some of the issues I was dealing with with some of the players uh, on it, you know, and dealing with some of their dissatisfactions, you know, that, that, can, that can taint you, but I, I realize that maybe their dissatisfactions are not mine. In fact, they're not in that, you know, I mean, it's a weird thing. You know, you, you, you begin a piece of work like that and you, you have an idea or you can have an idea in your head. This is one of the things I've been actively trying to kind of not do so much anymore. But I kind of had an idea in my head of what I was trying to do. And that's where I get into trouble, you know. Um, and, and so, you know, I've done a couple of albums that are ones in the can and ones in process right now where I'm really trying to go back to uh, not thinking, like getting really good players and showing up in a room and just, you know, trying to be in the moment and, and, and apply. Um, but, you know, specifically with this, you know, I, I mean, I knew what was going to happen. Like, you know, like, <laughs> Okay, relationship, relationships falling apart. You're going to write about it, you know, and and so I did, and you know, and like Bruce uh, Kappen, who engineered and produced it, and did a great job, and you know, played on it. He also said, you know, as we were at the outset, like you know, this is going to be a hard one, you know. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, I didn't realize how hard, you know. <laughs> and he was right, you know, it was a really hard one, um, but. 
yeah, you know, I mean, it's weird. I'm, I am satisfied with it. I'm musically very satisfied with it. And I also feel like for as bleak as some of it, as some of it gets, it's not a total downer again, because it kind of, you know, I think lyrically and also kind of musically, I was trying to be warm and also kind of hint at like, you know, it's like, we're all in it, you know, everybody's here, you know, if you're, if you're present and emotionally, uh, willing to, uh, open your eyes and deal with it. Like we're all here, we're all in the same place, you know, and, and, and that's good, you know, and that actually, you know, I, I, I have this, you know, weird relationship with hope. I'm not really a hopeful person. I don't really believe in hope. I think hope is kind of like religion on a certain level, although, you know, saying that can, I think, come across as being, you know, insensitive or, you know, negative, but I, 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 you know, but still I'm optimistic, you know, that, you know, cause it's, you know, we don't know our end date and I still have this some amount of time and things are good and, you know, I'm being creative and I'm involved with people and that's, and that's good. So, and that's what I'm trying to say is like, you know, yeah, it's dark, but, you know, think about what you've got, you know. The prettiest train I've ever seen The prettiest train I've ever seen The prettiest train I've ever seen It runs from Jackson Down to New Orleans New Orleans New Orleans
me, hope always feels more specific, you know, whereas optimism feels more general. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a good way to sum it up. And I think, you know, a generalized, like, you know, like, be a Buddhist for a moment, you know, and like, just like, you know, have a good moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, why don't, you, why don't you like, you know, just lighten up, dude, and have a, have a good moment. You know, here you are. It's okay. You know, it is. It's fine. You're telling my, I'm trying to tell myself that as much as anything else, but you know. Yeah, it does apply. continually. When when the tension yeah. happened in the studio, did you see that coming, or did that sort of were you surprised by like, oh shit, yeah. now well, I got to deal with this? Well, it didn't happen in the studio. It happened as you know, things were resolving. That was like the, the weird thing about it. You know, it's just like things were. You know, we do a day in the studio, and then there'd be a reaction to it, and it was like, oh fuck, you know. You know, it's just, there's a lot of stuff and some of, you know, some of it I'm hesitant to get into because, you know, it's like, I think some people will have different versions of events and I, you know, I really don't want to present like, you know, it's just such a subjective thing. Sure. You know, so it's like, I, I don't want to present like my, my feelings on it as, as Bible, but, you know, I definitely, you know, we had some problems, you know, and, um, and problems in how people worked and how people were emotionally relating to the material and you know, some people were very much emotionally relating to it and some people were being more technical about it, you know, and the emotional people were like, why is he being so technical? Doesn't he understand what this stuff is about? You know, and I can understand that to some degree, but, you know, sometimes like people don't work and function in the same way, you know, and part of my job as a band leader or project leader is to just kind of go like, is what they're doing emotionally representative? Uh, you know, can it be interpreted by a listener in such a way that it supports the song, right? Um, but yeah, you know, I think things, it, the record got pretty dense, you know, maybe more dense you know, as far as little track count than something I'd done, you know, things I'd done pretty well, but it just seemed kind of be saying do this you know it's like i would listen to the tracks and say no i think we need to overdub this way and then so that there was just tension on that level um you know because it, it, we were we were exploring you know i was working with a lot of people i'd worked with before but we were exploring ground that we hadn't really covered in a certain way and so it took us in different directions that i think made people uncomfortable because it violated their assumptions about how we were going to work or how we had worked but I actually feel like that's a good thing, um, painful as it can be. Um, I think sometimes contention is good, and I am actually a believer in creative arguments. And I, you know, and if they become fights, they become fights, and people don't like to fight. And I get it, but you know, it's like I think there is, you know, it is, it's okay, you know, it's okay to have disagreements. Maybe fight is too strong a word, um, you know. But I think if we we you know, I have a feeling sometimes that, you know, some people take words in, in very literal fashion and sometimes turns of phrases are more ambiguous and wind up kind of in problematic territory. And, and you know, I've certainly heard people uh, by saying things in one way, in kind of abrupt ways where I didn't really intend it, but, you know, the underlying aspect of it was that, you know, there was a conflict and the conflict was yielding good results. And I think you have to listen to that conflict as it happens if you're going to be an honest, good, kind of mature creative, you know. And, and I think, you know, I've been doing this a really quite a long time now. And I'm maybe just at a point where I'm working at the level that I've wanted to work at, where I think my understanding of the process actually is that I've had enough intellectual and personal growth to actually handle it. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I really wanted to swim in some pretty deep water. You know, it was always an aspiration. You know, and I think I'm a slow learner. I was always, I was always kind of a late bloomer, and that's just kind of what this record is. It's like it's really a manifestation of everything I kind of wanted to do. And, and, you know, so on that level, it feels really good, but it took a long time to get there. Um, although I'm pretty happy with a lot of the stuff that I've made in the last decade with all my bands and all the things I've done, you know, I feel really happy with the Monks record and the camper outings. The last ones were pretty strong. 
Um, and I feel like a lot of the solo work has been very strong. But this one's, you know, this one's not, it's not beer, it's whiskey, it's distilled. You know? that's, <laughs> that's nice. Well, it's nice to hear that you are identifying the fact that you are artistically evolving to a place that where you feel comfortable um, and that you feel that you're, that you're always changing, which I think is, you know, one of the great goals of, of creativity. Yeah. It, well, it is, you know, it is the goal, you know, and I, I just, you know, music's a, you know, it gets such a short shrift in society these days, you know, songwriting, poetry, things like that, but, you know, it's, it's a really, it's a super deep medium, you know, and, 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 and elusive in nature because it's very hard to say, like, you know, I mean, you just you know, read the Oliver Sacks book or whatever to try and interpret, you know, if you're data-driven, like how your brain responds to the music, but, you know, I think there's something in that, in that, in the, the nature of it that's inherently ambiguous. Um, but, you know, to really get kind of a deep resonance, it just takes a long, like for me, it took a long time. You know, like I'm a kid from Riverside. I was a kid from Riverside, you know, and I grew up in a pretty, you know, just, I mean, I, we had a lot of family trouble, you know, my parents got divorced and there's a lot of addiction in my family and mental health stuff. So it wasn't like a walk in the park, but it was, you know, on a certain level, it was pretty white bread, you know, and, you know, coming and, you know, living, living as an out gay musician, living as, living on the road a lot for a long time. And then, you know, strangely, you know, living in San Francisco with all its squalor and spending a lot of time in New York and other places and then oddly working in like the corporate world. You know, I've had time to really see a really broad spectrum of human behavior and like where it leads. And, you know, the conclusions are not great necessarily. <laughs> But, you know, I feel like I have, a, you know, like when we were doing camper stuff in Santa Cruz, we were clever and snarky. And, and I think that, you know, that clever thing doesn't work for me very well anymore. Like, I'm not trying, like, I'm not the smartest person in the room. Like, that's almost a given, you know. I, I work better keeping my mouth shut, which is hard because I'm opinionated and probably basically fighting to for some validation and to be looked at, you know, like everybody else, but like shutting up, you know, and listening um, and being more humble and more observant. It's kind of, it, it's I'm still a work in progress, believe me, but it's like, it's, it's yielded a lot of results in the last few years. Do you feel that the clever is just too easy is that like a default that is just an easy thing to rely on? And it, you know, and by doing that, you're, you're sort of missing the, um, you know, a chance for like an emotional note to pluck. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, for yeah. example, you know? Yes, I do. I do. I actually think it's a way of hiding, um, you know, and I, I'm not really interested. In, I'm not interested in hiding right now. Um, you know, I'm interested in being more, you know, I mean, like, the, you know, the gay issue, like, you want to put quotes about it or whatever is part of it, you know, it's like, I, I'm, you know, I want to be known, you know, as, you know, I think it's just important. I think the visibility is important. I don't want to hide, you know, I want to hide from hard things or hard issues, you know, I, I, I think, you know, and I, and I also want to be open-minded. I mean, I kind of feel like it's, it, it's, it's, like clever doesn't work. That's why I hate the media right now. That's why I quit working in media. You know, it's just like we're we're all so clever, or we all know what's going on. And, you know, I mean, I just spent a couple of weeks. My mom's sister was around, you know, and she's a Trump supporter, and she's from Michigan, you know, and and we certainly do not politically agree on a lot of things, but you know, there's some commonality in point of view, and 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 commonality and concerns about things that are happening in the world, you know, and I mean, I felt very close to her and it was really good to see her um, and spend time with her. And I, I feel strongly that, you know, the, the, the conflicts are economic, right? They're not social. 
right. know, you, and you have to, you have to reach across the aisle. Like you have to, and you have to have compassion for people. You know, even if they're horrible bigots, you know, I mean, it's like you have to have compassion for the circumstance. You know, it's like if we don't have that, you know, we're screwed. And, and, and that's, you know, that's what I'm trying to advocate for, you know, in art. You know, it's just like, you know, it is, I mean, you know, bluntly, I feel like it is a class war that's going on right now. I think that's the deal, you know, and those of us who were lucky enough to be kind of, you know, in the liberal moneyed part of it you know, are short-sighted about it. And, and, and that's where I get frustrated with it. And that's where I got really frustrated with the media. It's just like, you know, like, that's like, uh, you know, get your head out of your ass. You know, it's like when Trump got elected, people were like, how did that happen? I was like, yeah, that's been like 35 years driving across this country. I know just how it happened. You know, it's not a surprise. It wasn't a surprise to me. Yeah. You know, and and I think that's the thing that, you know, that's my that's kinda of actually one of my problems with the Bay Area, you know. It's like get your head out your ass, you know. It's like you guys got more money than you know what to do with. You know, and you don't care. Like you don't care socially. It's, it's evident walking down the streets of San Francisco, you know. It's like it's just right there in front of you all the time. You know, and you know, so I'm my my thing is you know, I guess what I'm trying to say artistically, if, you know, if we can boil it down a little bit, is just like, you know, open up, you know, feel it, you know, because you won't know, like, you can't know where you're at, and you can't know where other people are at unless you're willing to look at it and feel it. It's impossible. You've, you know, you've always been, looking over your body of work, you, you've always been an amazing collaborator, um, you know, Camper and Beethoven was is a big band. Um, you know, you, yeah. you've maintained friendships, same guys. Um, you know, o- over yeah. the course of a thirty-five year career or so, and and I, and I wonder, number one, I, I wonder if you see yourself that way, and number two, I wonder when it, when you were working on this record and you felt that you weren't at your best in terms of I should not be collaborating with anybody on this particular day. Uh, how did you navigate that? Because that must have been sort of new territory for you. Um, you know, I mean, it was. Yeah, I think, you know, it's 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 retrospective. Like my impressions of, of of not being a good collaborator and not not listening and not communicating well. It happened after the fact. It was pointed out to me by people I worked with in how they felt. You know, and I, and I frankly felt pretty bad about it because I am normally a pretty good collaborator and pretty good listener. But, you know, there's something about the process of what I went through that put me deeply in my own head, you know, and that's not really what I was trying to communicate, but it's what happened to me in the process of doing it. Um, because I am a good collaborator. That's one thing I know. And I haven't had a really, you know, I have a good track record of finding people, sometimes very disparate people who work really well together. Um, and, you know, and I've created some pretty cool bands that way. And again, you know, I think I've got something in the burner right now that's going to be very unexpected. And I think it will be very good. Um, and that, you know, so I, I, you know, I believe in that strength, but, you know, sometimes you just, you, you lose it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I, and I, and I think like, you know, the truth of the matter is, is like everything I was going through was, you know, it was trauma related and it was also just, uh, you know, it was a stressful time, you know, and I, and also just like, I really going up to the point where I finished the record and where I left, which was about a year ago, exactly. You know, I just wanted out, you know, you just get to that point and then it's like, I just want out. I just want gone. Like, I just want to be someplace else, you know, and that's really what it was. And I wanted to be someplace else, including away from, you know, like a period of time, like a break from the people I normally work with. Like I want out, you know, I need to get out. I need to get a different perspective. And, um, you know, I think that was hurtful for some people who care about me and who work really closely with me, you know, and, and I, you know, I think I'm nothing terminal. I think I'll be able to work through these problems, but, uh, it was, uh, you know, I didn't intend, like, <laughs> Like a lot of like sensitive people don't intend to hurt, and I'm a sensitive person, but you know I did, you know. So it's just it's just you know you got to learn, um, you know. But again, the material was just I, I think part of it was just like it was 
you know, it's probably the most directly vulnerable I've been. And I've been pretty vulnerable on record a few times, you know, it's just there was something about it. I think I almost had to go in like a huge state to deal with it, to cope with it emotionally. Um, you know, it's, it's just how it goes. And I think you have to be, again, open and reactive to it and responsive, you know, because if you're open and responsive, then you can, like, you know, again, I mean, I don't want to get too far and like, do we have choice? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But, you know, I think that's how you modify your, you know, uh, behaviors. Or, or compensate. I, you know, I don't know that we modify the behaviors. I think there's a way to kind of compensate for what, what you've got. Um, but it has put me in a, you know, a, you know, I don't know when it will end and I'll have to strap down for a full-time job. I imagine it'll be at the end of the year. Uh, unless, like, the freelance magic keeps happening. You know, um, but, you know, there's health insurance and all that fun stuff that has to go on in the, in the real world. Um, but I'm just trying to make the most of it, you know, and, um, you know, there's been a lot of tension in my personal life about like, well, where are you going to land? What are you going to do? And it's like, you know what? I'm not making a choice. I'm sorry. You know, and I know that probably hurts. That's probably hurt some other people as well, but it's like, I'm not doing it because it's like, I have not been able to embrace, uh, pushing a record as hard in a long time. And, you know, it's economically very challenging to do a solo thing. Like Camper is very fortunate. You know, our numbers are remarkably good for a band that hasn't put out new product in four or five years. Yeah. You know, and it's got a it's got a real legacy and it means a lot to people. It's almost a responsibility in a certain level, but you know, the the longer we're together and the more we're together the you know, I you know, you start to realize when you like we're on year thirty six, right? And it's essentially the same lineup. You know like Greg, Jonathan, David, and I, Chris Peterson, when he's around, you know, that we have a couple of good sub drummers just because he lives in Australia and it's difficult. But that is super unique, you know, and I, I have, you know, I mean, I tell those guys all the time, even like when we're at each other's throats, like we're really lucky to be here. And I'm sick and the van's broken down and I would really probably actually like to be in that place right now, but we're really lucky to be here. Anyway. <laughs> so... You, you were saying that you, you're you kind of floating around right now, and the practical side of me says, where do you keep your bass? What, the bass guitar? Yeah, like where do you keep or your stuff? The, or the bass, uh, you know, the, the <laughs> you know, friends in, friends in high places. I, I <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to call them out too much, but I, you know, David Underbrook is in the County Crows, and the County Crows have a storage space, and most of my, uh, most of my instruments are there. Um, there are a few scattered around Southern California. My upright bass is in the hands of a good upright bass player in the Bay Area. And there's a couple of amps scattered around various places. So, um, you know, that, you know, it'll be, it'll be good to have a bass again. You know, I'm looking forward, you know, to settling down, I guess, at some point, but not right now. Not right now. It's, 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 it's good to be itinerant sometimes. I think it's just important, you know. If you're gonna do what I, if you, I, you know, some people hate it, but if you're gonna do what I'm gonna do, you know, I mean, I understand my friends of mine like Dave Alvin are just on the road all the time. Like I totally get it. Like if I could make Dave's money, I'd just be on the road. <laughs> I don't, you know. I mean, I would. That, that's actually not a joke. I would be. I, I, I think I'm that guy. You know, I think I used to not be that guy. You know, I mean, the unfortunate thing is, is like, you know, I'm, I, I, in my divorce, inherited the dog. You know, I got the dog. And, uh, you know, I mean, I love dogs, but dogs kind of strap you down on a certain level. And I think that's been a kind of a beautiful thing and a good, a good humbling thing. But, you know, it's, he's, he's always a consideration. And, you know, he's 10 now. And I think about like, well, yeah, I got a few more years of this. And then do I get another one? <laughs> I think unfortunately, unfortunately, probably the answer is going to be yes. Cause <laughs> life, life without a dog kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's hard. You know, that's again like where the, the community, like it, I, I realize, you know, it's like, it's not, like I said, it's not just like a primary relationship. Like I actually need like a group of people to keep me going, you know? And, and I think that's like almost everything we've been talking about is a meditation on the fact that I actually need that group of people and, and I need to, you know, and also I need to take responsibility for it and treat that group of people well. You know, you know there's a lot of, 
it may not seem at first listen that there's a lot of that in the record, but I think there's a lot of that kind of thought process going on there. I, you know, I was trying to figure out uh, for the last couple of days if green is the color of a fair man's eyes. I was trying to think, is that an optimistic way to end the record or is that a bleak way to end? I, can't, I couldn't decide. Uh, you know, I think, I think it's quietly optimistic. Uh-huh. But it's certainly double-edged, yeah. you know. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I would say, you know, that, you know, kind of post-divorce, I kind of thought I had one relationship that would just kind of come into play and that maybe, you know, I just would look out and I don't think that's really how things are going to work out, you know, and that's kind of what that song's about, you know. It's like, it's made, it's not, you know, it's not for sure. You know, um, but, you know, I mean, that song is definitely, you know, I mean, it's obviously ripped from Donovan on a certain level. And, and it's, you know, there's some beautiful, beautiful lyrical ambiguity um, in, um, in Yellow is the Color, which is his song. And I was just trying to be faithful to it. You know, it's, 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 it's a little fakey, I guess. You know, it's a little inside baseball, but. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not optimistic, but I think it is. You know, well, it, it is. It certainly. I couldn't think of any other song to end with than that. I mean, it is the perfect album closer. It, well, it was also the first song recorded. You know, oh. and that was where you know. I mean, it was weird because I I had that song was. You know, I don't quite. It was completed in such a way that I knew how I wanted to record it, and I had. I wanted to, uh, I had this looper, uh, that I bought and I kind of hate looping and like that Dave Matthews kind of rhythmic way, but I bought this looper and I refused to take it out of the box until I got in the studio and I started creating these weird ambient loops and this delicate kind of finger pick thing. And then, you know, I put it together and it's like, I almost couldn't emotionally be in the room with the song. It was too vivid for me at the time. I was like, okay. <laughs> I know where we're going, you know, because it was like, it was, it was kind of like, uh, it was like a cannon blast or something. It was very, I had a very, very strong reaction to it. And I was like, okay, if it's going to be, if this shit's going to be this potent, like, it's good. But, you know, it was also like the warnings. I was like, uh-oh, like, this is going to get intense. Um, but that's why it's, you know, that's why it's kind of the conclusion, you know, because it's, you know, I mean, it is, it's a summary of kind of you know how do you how do you react to your trauma you know and how do you get through your trauma and and you know it, you know and really you know like how do you stay true because that's really the essential question and it's like are you true or are you just a fraud you know are you trying to be somebody else or are you actually that person you know it's like what that there's there's a great interview, I don't know why it resonated with me a long time ago. It was, it was one of the few times Tom Waits actually talked about getting sober, you know. And he was saying in the interview, you know, it's like it was time for me to put down the bottle and just figure out like, am I that guy or am I just some weird dude who wears a hat? You know? <laughs> and um, and and I think essentially that's you know, that's kind of the question. You know, that um, you know, one of the questions that I'm trying to deal with in the body of work. You know, am I this guy or am I just like some dude who, you know, wanted to play music and somehow figured it out? And, you know, I think, you know, I mean, I'm not going to answer that question because I really don't know, but it seems like I, I think I figured it out. <laughs> you know, I think for now. Well, yeah, for now. Yeah. Does that mean you're an impulsive guy? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, not. I, more, more calculated in the impulsivity now. Like you know, I know when to I, I know when to say yes. I know when to push. I know when to not push too hard. I you know still struggle with like you know trying to get enough sleep and you know taking care of myself and you know being able to function. But you know, I mean, I I guess really the way to answer that is like you know, there's always like these stories about like Neil Young, like you know, he was sitting at dinner and then like you know he had an idea and he got up and left the dinner and had to go play the guitar, you know. And I used to, 
not understand that. <laughs> like, wow, what a dick. Right. And now I'm like, no. Sometimes you just gotta like, you gotta pay attention if you've got if you've got something going on, um, and you really want to be in a creative zone. Being in a creative zone is what you want to do. Sometimes you just kind of gotta roll. And also, like, it doesn't just happen. You actually have to work at it. You gotta gotta work. So I have a huge frustration, and maybe it comes across as impulsivity, but I think it's more like can't wait. Like you can't wait to write. You just need to write. You know, you can't wait for the job to come along or, you know, decisions to be made. You just got to go do things. And the waiting is just, you know, what are you waiting for? You know, I don't like that. That's, there isn't, you know, waiting is just waiting. You know, it's just sitting around. And I'm all in favor of sitting around, you know, but I think sitting around with the intention, like, I am going to sit now. Like, that's more my belief system like you're going to sit you make a decision to sit but in general you know if you're going to embrace being creative and getting things done and that's kind of what this last year has been about for me it's like when the phone rings and it's something i want to do i say yes and i try and figure it out well i've always wanted to chat with you man i'm I'm glad we did it and i appreciate you taking the time yeah yeah It uh, it was a good conversation thanks pal i appreciate it That was a good conversation. I enjoyed it. I like talking to Victor. Uh, it says here the average price for a home now in San Francisco is $1.6 million. So uh, I get it. I get why he left. And I get why artists can't afford to live in the city anymore. Because it's uh, it's not affordable. It's not doable. If you're a musician, if you're a painter, if you're a writer, if you're an actor, not really tenable. But you know what? That's okay. All you artistic people out there, we got to stick together, okay? Yeah, we can't live in San Francisco anymore, but uh, we'll find our community, okay? All right. I say that, and then next week I'll be hosting the DoorDash podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the DoorDash podcast. What's your favorite food to be brought? (laughs) I'll be using that voice, too. No, I totally know what you're talking about. Like, it's 8 o'clock, I've been working all day, I've been doing stuff at the computer because I've been tech, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's a knock at the door, and then, hey, I got tons of naan and curry and chata masala. Oh, I'm in heaven. (laughs) That podcast sounds terrible. I won't host it, I promise. All my faithful fans, I will never let you down. I will never host DoorDash, the podcast. I promise you. My faithful audience, I will never do that. Uh, if you are a faithful audience member for Victor Krumenacher, you probably already know this. But if you don't, go to his website, victorkrumenacher.com, K-R-U-M-M-E-N-A-C-H-E-R dot C-O-M. And while you're there, pick up his new album, Blue Pacific. It is remarkable. Now, if you want to visit me online, you can do that. AlexGreenOnline.com will get you there. You can also follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor and on Instagram at Embers Podcast. You can email me, editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. And you can find our podcast on Spotify, Google Play, Last.fm, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you find yourself on iTunes, please subscribe to Stereo Embers, the podcast, and please subscribe to Bombshell Radio. Leave us a rating, some stars, you know, that kind of stuff. It goes a long way. Seriously. Thank you, as always, for listening to the program. Let's close things off with a brand new one from Victor Krumenacher. This is the title track, Blue Pacific. Enjoy it, and I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast, only on Bombshell Radio. Wondering why it was I never could reach you I tried to call you I couldn't get you on the line Nothing matters now that it's all through But there's no getting that through to you I tried to call you I couldn't get you on the line Ooh, Pacific, call me
learned. I try to call. 